I want to tell you a story. Billy uh, Mallory, he wanted to know what the point of life was all about. And one day he drove into a Chevron gas station and he saw this sign right here. A sign that was in the window that's going to be on the slides at any moment. There it is. It says, as you travel, ask us. And because he wanted to know what the point of life was, he decided he would do it. So he walked in, he talked to the attendant, and he said, hey, what's the point of life? What's the purpose of all of this, this thing called life? And the guy looked at him and said, I am sorry, I, I'm new here. <laughs> so he decided at this point, Bill Mallory, that he would, every time he got gas, if they had this sign out front at the Chevron station, he would go in and ask the attendant. And so he did. And uh, the next time around, he said, uh, what's the, the purpose of life? I'm a traveler. I have a question. What, what is it all about? What's the point of all this? And the guy says, hey, man, I, I don't remember learning anything about this in the training manual. I don't know what to tell you. Another time he went out and he asked a guy and he, the guy says, I, hey, man, I'm not really into the church much. So. And then another time he went out, he asked it and the guy goes, well, he winked at him. And then washed his windshield. So he was a, a bit confused. He didn't know what to... One day he was at home and the phone rang. And he answered the phone. And turns out it was Chevron's home headquarters. And they said, we understand you've been to our stations asking questions. And uh, that you haven't had satisfactory results. So we'd like to ask you to write it in written form. Send it to us. And we'll be happy to share uh, the answer with you the best we know how. So he did just that. And uh, a few weeks later, he got a response in the mail. He was real excited. He opened up the envelope. He, told, he pulled out a Chevron gas station credit card application. That was the response they gave him. You know, when we think about uh, the purpose and meaning of life, it's real important that, uh, that we go to the right place. And I think this is a good place. I don't think any of us want to go to a gas station to try to figure out what the point of life is. So you're at the right place. We want to go to the one who made us. Go to our creator. Go to God himself. He's the one that's given us a, a training manual for life, a life manual, and it's called his word. And I'd like, if we could, to begin today by reading from his word. So you guys read this with me. It'll be on the screens. Let's all share this together. Here we go. For in him all things were created. All things have been created through him and for him. If you go to the book of Revelation, you'll find another passage that's somewhat similar. This is out of the King James Version. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We are made by God, and we are made for God. Uh, kind of like when my wife and I decided to have children. We wanted to have some kids. God bless us with two little girls. And as they came into the world, oh my goodness, I remember it just like it was yesterday. When those kids were born, I just cried. This emotion just poured over me. And I was so delighted and so happy. They brought me such delight. And as they grew up and I watched them learn how to walk and talk, obviously one's two years older, so it happened at different intervals. As they played together, it brought delight to me. It blessed me. Sometimes now I wish they could just get along, but outside of that, uh, they're just wonderful blessings. This, this past week, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, Karis walked up to me and gave me a little piece of paper. Here, Daddy. And I looked at it and it said, Daddy, I love you, Karis. You know, that just brought so much pleasure and delight to me. And you, hey, you just got to love that stuff. 
Uh, and, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? This relationship that I have with my girls in life, the relationships, are, it's the same with God. He longs, he desires to have that relationship with us, a loving relationship. And, and it's what separates Christianity, by the way, from all the other faiths of the world, is we have a God who is a relational God, a God who wants to have and share relation. He loves us, and he wants us to love him back. Last week, we saw that the Westminster Catechism, in fact, it was in the video with uh, the Pure Emissions, uh, the Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I think that's worded pretty well. I think that's a, a good phrase. Uh, but how do we do that? How do we glorify God and enjoy him forever? Well, number one, and this is your first blank in your notes, we worship him. If you want to glorify God, if you want to really enjoy Him forever, then worship Him. Now, let me ask you, what comes to your mind when we say worship? I want you, this is the audience participation point. So, what is it that comes to your mind when you hear the word worship? What pops in your head? Praise, music, anything else? One more time. Love, faithfulness. I heard something over here. One more time. Prayer, yeah, there's a lot of different ways, isn't there, to worship the Lord. So let's grab our Bibles. That's what we're going to dig into today. Open them with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. It's a great passage, actually, on worship. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, page 1,123 in the church Bibles. If you need one of those, feel free to grab one. And obviously, if you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to open it as well. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to begin with verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Notice here, worship is my response to God. It's our response back to God. It, you know, he's given us all of these great merciful gifts. In light of this mercy that God has given us, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. Worship is a response to the mercies God's given us. He made you. He gave you life. He's given you all the daily needs and blessings, things like food and, and shelter and jobs and income and family and friends and, and freedom and, and clothing and internet and chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. I mean, I mean, really, God's behind all of it, isn't he? And the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. I can, I, hey, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream is definitely a good and perfect gift. I think so anyway. On top of that, what has he given us? He's given us Jesus. And what has Jesus done for us? Jesus gave himself for us so that we could be forgiven, so we could be spared from the judgment of a holy, just God. Jesus took all that punishment we deserve for our sin. He took it on himself, right? And, and so that all of us could be pardoned, Jesus took it on himself so that we could know God so that we could have a relationship with him. Do we deserve this? No way. A million times no way. Listen, you and I have, we have broken God's laws. 
In doing so, we're rejecting God. His laws are good. His laws are holy. They're perfect, the Bible says. And when we reject God, we're putting him at arm's length. But when we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus and we, we trust in who he is and what he's done for us, we're forgiven. We're cleansed. We're brought into the family in a right relationship with God so that we can know him. We're, we become his sons and daughters and we're promised to be with him forever. These are the mercies of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, In light of these mercies, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, offer your life. If your body is a living sacrifice, and that's what we're all, it's our lives he's looking for. Lived for him. That's what he's talking about. This, this is our spiritual act of worship. Worship is your and my response to God, who he is, what he's done. What do you give God who, who has it all? What do you give God who doesn't need anything at all? You give him your life. That's what you give him, which takes us to our memory verse this week. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Let's say it together. Ready? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and with all your strength. Now, we had a memory verse last week. Anybody? <laughs> oh. Anybody have that memorized? If you do, this is your lucky day. All of your hard work, your dedication and devotion to memorize God's word in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 can pay off right now. Anybody have it memorized? You know it. You know it real well. Okay, come on out here, babe. I'll give, give you a chance here. Okay, Dave. Did you, did, did you fill out your, uh, your Connect card? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. That's, that's, that's rule number one. I didn't get all of it filled out. Okay, well, it's okay. You don't have to have it all filled out. Okay, what is, uh, what is your, the memory verse? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. For he chose us to be in him before the creation of the world, um, to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. Um, let me see. In love. He predestined Very good. us to be adoptive sons, and I'll say in this, and daughters. To yeah, yeah. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, good job. There you go, buddy. Man, good it took job. me all week to, to memorize that. Good. That's, that was good. That was great. He got a $15 uh, gift card because he filled out that Connect card, and he knew the memory verse. Boy, everybody's going to be focused on this this week, aren't they? And we're thinking, oh, I already know that mostly. I'm going to nail this next week. Come on, steak and shake. Here I come. So, yeah, make sure you get this memory verse. We're going to look at this memory verse today because this really is all about worship. If you think about it, Jesus gives us several ways here to love God. He says, love God with all your heart. In other words, love him passionately. Love him passionately. This is how God loves us. I mean, you think about this. This is exactly how he loves us. When you think about Jesus and that week leading up to his crucifixion, what do we call that in Christendom? The Passion Week. That's right. The Passion Week. You don't get more passionate, guys, than this right here. That is passion right there, bare, raw, honest, right up front. Jesus loves us passionately. Loving passionately means you express your affection. Now, that's hard for some of us, isn't it? 
because we didn't grow up in a family that was real expressive of their affection. And so we have to learn how to tell God, hey, God, I love you. And that's, that's manly. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's manly. Jesus told us he loved us. God has told us again and again, both in word and in action, hasn't he? Tell God you love him. Express your affection. I want to encourage you this week, while you're out and about, this is a heavy challenge, I want you to find somebody, maybe it's somebody you work with, maybe it's your next door neighbor, and without any connection, just say, you know, I want to tell you something. I just love Jesus. I challenge you to do that this week. I'll be taking the challenge myself. Tell some and see how they respond. But be, declare, your, express your affection. God loves you. Love him back. And this is one of the ways we do it, passionately. God loves passionately. And he wants us to love him passionately. When you're in love, you're, you've fallen in love, what do you do? What do you tell everybody you meet? Hey, I got a girl. Hey, I got a guy. We're going to see each other. You tell everybody. Why? Because passion is stirring. And you want everybody to know it. Tell somebody you love Jesus. Tell Jesus you love him. Uh, listen, he doesn't, this is one of the great things. He doesn't make us love him. He doesn't. It's a choice. Uh, besides, if you make somebody love you, that's not real love, is it? So he gives us a choice in the matter. God's a gentleman. And he wants us to love him out of desire, not duty. So he calls us to love him. So how do we express uh, our affection to him? Number one, we be thankful to him. Have you, have you had those times where you just spend, this is a daily exercise we really need to do, just telling God the things you're thankful for. And go into detail, Lord, thank you for air. Thank you for a beating heart inside. Thank you for sunshine. Thank you for warmth in a building like this on a very cold day. That's something we can be thankful for. Thank you for food. Thank you for family. Thank you for friends. Thank you, Lord, for, for feet to take me where I go and eyes to see the sunsets glow and ears to hear what I may know. Be thankful to God. Everything is a good and perfect gift. Given Every good and perfect gift given from Him, we're told. So thank him for it. Another way you can express your affection is uh, give your life to him. When you think of a, a man and a woman who get married, they're at the altar at the front of the church, and what are they doing? They are giving their lives to each other because they are passionately in love with each other. And so it's a great way to express your affection is to give your life. Romans chapter 6, verse 13, great fit here. Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And we have, haven't we? So you love God with all your heart. That's passionately loving God. But Jesus also says, love God with all your soul. That's eternally loving God. Why do I say eternally? Well, let me explain this. If you take that word soul, and you look at its original meaning, it means breathe. That's what soul means. In the original context, in the original word, it means breath. Breath, which is tied to living, isn't it? You don't breathe, you don't live, right? And this is why in the original Greek, soul is sometimes translated life. Sometimes when you see life in your Bible, it's the same word as soul found here in Mark. Albert Barnes, he says that to love God with all your soul means to be willing to give up your life to him and to devote it all to his service, to live for him, to be willing to die at his command. Love him with your soul. But there's more to soul than just breath or life. Even though soul is sometimes translated life, there's a difference between soul 
and life. What do I mean? Well, plants and animals have life, but then they die forever, and they're gone, right? But humans have a soul. Their life is forever. They're immortal. So to love God with all your soul is not only deep devotion to God in life or in death, but to love him forever because the soul never dies. And so we love God eternally. We love him with our soul, all our soul. So how do we do this? How do we love God this way? Well, number one, you realize how he loves you. You realize how he loves you. That's the next slide, please. Thank you. Um, A lot of times you'll hear people say, my problem is I don't love God enough. That's my problem. And I think there's a mistake in that. I think there's an error. The problem isn't that they don't love God enough. The problem is they don't realize how much God loves them. Because when you realize how much God loves you, how much, how deep, how wide, how tall that love is, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, we love God because he first loved us. That's the whole basis for our love for him is understanding his love for, for you. Do you know how much God loves you? Oh, yeah, Vern, he, he went to the cross and he, he died for me. And you're right, he did. But think about this for a second. Realize the cross, that epicenter of declaration for God's love for you, that was a plan that God took 4,000 years to work throughout all of sinful human history to finally put in place. When man rejected God way back at the very beginning, they walked away from God. They wanted nothing to do with God. They wanted to do life their way, not his way, right? And what did God do? Fine. Live life in your sin-filled, broken world that you've caused. I'm going back to heaven. I'm sitting on my throne and enjoying the perfection of heaven. Is that what God did? No. They rejected him, and he pursued them. Every time man rejects God, God's always pursuing him. He's a lover after his lost love. That's what he is. He does it over and over and again and again and again, praise him. The ark, another example of how God loves us. He's provided safety. He's provided provided salvation. The nation Israel is an instrument of God's salvation. Mount Sinai, God shows his love. In the desert, in the promised land, with the judges, with the kings, and still rejection, 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 rejection. God steps forward. He loves. They reject. Man rejects. And this continues. So God starts sending prophets to the scene. And what do we do? We reject them. We kill them. Again, another prophet. Again, another prophet, then another. Finally, after 4,000 years, God sends his only begotten son. Everything's set. The stage is perfectly set up, and Jesus comes onto the scene, and what do we do to him? We kill him too. We reject him. Now we're 2,000 years after that, and God is still pursuing us. Here we are, churches littered all across the landscape, all over the world. The message of the gospel is being shared, and he's pursuing us with the hope-filled, life-saving news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and that we can have forgiveness, and we can be rejoined to him, and it all goes to the cross and what Jesus did for us. That's what God did. Why? Because he loves you. Think about it. 4,000 years God had to work and set the stage for Jesus to come. He had to birth a nation for Jesus to come. It's incredible. 
And he did that for you and me. So we love him with our soul. We love him eternally. The natural response when we get this stuff is to love, to love him with our lives. So we love him with our soul. We love him eternally. Jesus also says, number three, love God with all your mind or thoughtfully. Love him thoughtfully. Um, you ever catch yourself reading the Bible and, uh, and you go almost the entire chapter and then go, huh. And you read every word, word for word, you read through it and you have no idea what you read because you were thinking about something you're going to do later in the day. Anybody ever do that? I do that. I do. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I'm not a liar like the rest of you guys. I'll be honest about it. <laughs> Bunch of sinners. Um, <clears throat> You know, it happens, doesn't it? Sometimes we come to church and we're singing. And we sing the whole song. And if somebody would ask us, what's that song about? We wouldn't even know because we were just going through the motions. And we were singing and we were saying word for word. We were reading it. But we really weren't connecting to it. We're thinking about where we're going to lunch maybe. You know what Bible, what Jesus calls that? He calls that vain repetition. You know what, you know what vain repetition is? Meaninglessness. We might as well not even do it when we're not engaged with our minds thoughtfully. God says in Isaiah chapter 29, these people come near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They had all of the lip motions. They even had the words, but they were disconnected. They weren't engaged. We're to love God thoughtfully with our minds. Love him with all your mind. And so how do we do that? How do we thoughtfully love God? Number one, we want to focus our attention on him. Focus your attention. That's the next slide, please. Focus your attention on him. That means you're reading and you're memorizing, you're studying, you're thinking about his word, you're paying attention, you're, you're being thoughtful. And that takes discipline to do because it's easy not to. It's easy to just go through the motions. You ever go to church and the preacher's preaching and you really have no idea what he's talking about at all because you're thinking about something else? Not, not with you and me, obviously, not that. But I'm talking about other preachers in the past, you know. Uh, God wants our attention just like you want your spouses, married folks, just like you want your girlfriend or boyfriend, those of you who are dating, and those of you who are single, just like you desire to have someday. Somebody to give you their attention. God's the same. And attention expresses love. Loving God with our minds, paying attention. And we struggle with that because we have this sinful tendency to be very self-centered. Um, we live in a world that's very self-centered. I want you to look at this passage in James. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition... In your hearts, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Whoa. I think the Bible gives some pretty strong words for our self-centered lifestyles, our tendencies to focus on ourselves. Being self-focused, self-centered destroys our ability to, to love God thoughtfully. I would venture to say it destroys our ability to love God at all when we're focused on ourselves all the time because then we are our God. So we love God passionately. That's loving him with our heart. 
We love God eternally. That's loving him with our soul. We love God thoughtfully. That's loving him with our minds. But we also want to love God practically, love him with our strength. Practically. That word strength in the Hebrew, it means muchness. Isn't that funny? Muchness. And that's what it means. Everybody say muchness. Muchness. Love God with your muchness. <laughs> but muchness is, directs us to our abilities, our talents, our giftedness. God has blessed us with so much, and he wants us to use that muchness, that strength to, to honor him, to love him. We have muchness. All of us do. Your muchness isn't my muchness. My muchness isn't your muchness. But we all have muchness, and God wants us to love him with our muchness. Uh, use it for God. Use your muchness for God. And when you do, you're loving him with your strength. You're loving him practically speaking. Remember the verse we started off with at the beginning of the message, Colossians 1.16, for in him all things were created. All things have been created through him and for him. So he's the source, isn't he? Everything's created through him and for him. It, it all starts with God. He's the source. He's the source of our heart. He's the source of our soul. He's the source of our mind and our strength. They were created through him and for him. But he's given those to us. He's given them to us, which means he doesn't have them unless we give them back to him. He created them for him, but because he gave them to you and me, he can't get them back unless we give them to him. And when we do, when we love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, when we do that, you're worshiping him. You're loving him. You're, you're worshiping the Lord. See, you see, and I see, we see worship as, as music, as prayer, as, as going to church, as, as singing songs. But the reality is everything we do is worship to the Lord if it's done because we love him and it's done for him. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, it says, whatever you do, work, it, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. What, is, what do we do working for the Lord? Whatever you do. In, in 1 Corinthians, it says, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. So everything is for the Lord. It's not for men. It's for the Lord. All of a sudden, we really broaden our scope of what worship is. Worship is all of life, potentially. It's 24 hours a day. You can be worshiping God while you're doing laundry. You can worship God in the middle of digging a ditch. You can worship God when you're in study hall, studying and preparing for your next class. You can worship God by playing and having fun. If it's done for the honor and the glory of God and you celebrate His goodness in it, it's worship to Him. Which finally brings us to such an important part, Romans chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 2. If you still have your finger there, look at it. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't forget the verse before it. Remember, when the Apostle Paul wrote this, it was a letter. It didn't have verse breaks. 
This verse is connected to the previous verse, which is all about worshiping God with our bodies, a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be like the world, self-focused. Because the world will take those gifts of heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it will focus them on itself. Don't be like the world, it says. Love God. Because when we do, when we love God, our worship not only becomes our response to God, verse 1, but he receives it and, and he reveals his will to us. Oh, that is powerful. That is huge because his will reveals what the point of life is all about, why you're here. Do you see it? Until we understand worship, life won't make sense. It won't. It can't. In light of this, let me ask you, how is your worship life? That 24-7, 365 a year, that God's blessed you with a heart, soul, mind, and strength to give to him because he is so giving and merciful to us. How is your worship life? I want to encourage you this morning. Love him with all of your heart passionately. Love him with all of your soul eternally. Love him with all of your mind thoughtfully. Love him with all of your strength practically because he is God. He created all for him, and he's so merciful and giving and loving to us. The natural response is to give it all back to him. For the chief ends of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let's bow together. There is so much we could apply today, isn't there? We, we just bow to close off the distractions. God wants you to know the point of everything, the point of it all. It's found in him, loving him. Father, what we've talked about today isn't a minor issue. It's the most important thing in life, knowing you and loving you. And I realize, Lord, that there are Lord, we come into this room and we're in all kinds of different places on the spiritual spectrum. Wherever we are, help us, Lord, to take the next step. May today be a defining moment. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to you, not in the moment on this day, but in our lives. Closer to you, farther away from the world. I want to encourage you right now with our heads bowed. If you're ready just to talk to God, draw closer to him, would you be willing to pray with me? Just pray only as these words fit, okay? As they fit you where you are. Father, I wouldn't even exist if not for you. Forgive me for the times I make it all about me. You made me to share in a loving relationship with you. 
history even declares the extents to which you have gone. All that you've done so I can know you. Thank you, God. Forgive me for not worshiping you with my life. I want my life to be more and more about you. Help me. Help me to turn all I do more and more into worship for you. With every head bowed, if you're here and you have never put your heart and trust, your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done to save you, you've never received the gift of forgiveness of your sins that he purchased on the cross when he paid the price, taking the punishment for your sin in your place. If you're ready, you want to accept him, put your trust in him. I want you to pray this with me. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving your life for me. And as much as I know how, I turn from my sin to you, trusting in you. Forgive me. Help me to give my life to you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.